So I spoke, and at once they swore it, as I had demanded. But then, when they had sworn and had brought their oath to completion, there in a hollow harbor we anchored the well-made galley, close to some sweet, fresh water. At once from the galley the comrades disembarked, then skillfully they made ready a dinner. When they had quite satisfied their appetites, drinking and eating, then they remembered and started lamenting our much-loved comrades, those whom Scylla had snatched from the hollow galley and eaten. Over the men as they wailed there came a delectable slumber. But in the night's third watch, when the stars turned down towards setting, then as we slept, cloud-gathering Zeus set turbulent storm-winds, raging in furious tempest. The land and the seaway alike he hid in a thick cloud cover, and night rushed down from the heavens. Soon as the dawn shone forth, rose-fingered at earliest daybreak, bringing the ship on shore, to a hollow cavern we dragged her. There were the beautiful seats of the nymphs, and the floors for their dancing. Then I called an assembly, and spoke among all the companions. Friends, now since there is plenty to eat and to drink in a swift ship, let us hold off from the cattle, lest something of evil we suffer. These are the cattle and great fat sheep of a god to be dreaded, Helios, who looks down over all things, listens to all things. So I spoke, and the valorous spirits in them were persuaded. All month Notos, the south wind, steadily blew, nor did any other wind ever arise except for the east and the south winds. So, for as long as they still had plenty of food and of red wine, they held off from the cattle, desiring to go on living. But when all of the stores from the galley at last were depleted, then they went on the hunt, of necessity ranging the country, taking whatever came into their hands, both fishes and game fowl, using their bent fish hooks, because hunger afflicted their stomachs. Then I went away into the island, in order that I might ask of the gods whether one might show me a way for returning. But having gone through the island, and left the companions behind me, carefully washing my hands where there was a shelter from winds, I raised my prayer to the gods, all those who live on Olympus. On to me then they poured sweet sleep, down over my eyelids. Meanwhile, Eurylochus broached this evil advice to the comrades. Listen to my words, comrades, despite these evils you suffer. Every manner of dying is hateful to miserable mortals, but most wretched by hunger to die and encounter our doomsday. But come now, let us drive off the best among Helios' cattle, offering them to the gods, the immortals who hold the broad heaven. If we should ever arrive in Ithaca, land of our fathers, we will at once to the high lord Helios build a resplendent temple and put inside it our offerings, many and noble. If he instead, in feelings of rage for his lofty-horned cattle, wants to destroy our ship and the other gods follow his wishes, I would prefer all at once by gulping a wave to lose life-breath than to be drained of my strength a long time on a desolate island. So Eurylochus spoke and the other companions assented. Then straightway they drove off the best among Helios' cattle, bringing them nearer, for not very far from the dark-proud galley, grazing the grass with the beautiful, crooked-horned, broad-browed cattle. There around them they stood, to the gods they raised their entreaties, 
plucking the tenderest leaves from an oak tree, lofty and leafy, for on the well-benched galley they had no more white barley. Straightway, after they prayed, they slaughtered the victims and flayed them. Then they cut off the thighs and in thick fat covered them over, making two layers, and morsels of flesh they fastened upon them. Nor did they have any wine to pour on as the victims were burning, but made water libations, and all of the innards they roasted. After the thigh bones burned, and the men partook of the entrails, then they cut up the rest, and on stakes they spitted the pieces. Finally, after delectable sleep flew away from my eyelids, I set forth to the swift ship then, and the shore of the deep sea. But on the way, as I came up close to the tractable galley, then did the pleasant aroma of flesh new roasted surround me. Raising a moan, I called out loud to the gods undying, O oh, Father Zeus, and the rest of the fortunate gods ever living, how to my ruin have you thus lulled me in pitiless slumber? Such an enormous deed my comrades devised as they waited. Swiftly to High Lord Helios then went bearing report how we had slaughtered his cows, Lampetier, nymph of the long robes. Then straightway, in the wrath of his heart, he addressed the immortals. O oh, Father Zeus, and the rest of the fortunate gods ever living, work my revenge on the men of Odysseus, the son of Laertes, who in their arrogance killed those cattle of mine over which I always rejoiced as I climbed on high to the star-filled heaven, then also when again out of heaven to earth I was turning. If for my cattle to me they pay no fitting requital, sinking to Hades' domain, I will shine on those who have perished." Answering him in return, spoke forth the cloud-gathering god Zeus. Helios, do you instead keep shining among the immortals, and among mortals, the men who dwell on the grain-giving plowland? Their swift ship I will strike with a scintillant bolt of my lightning, soon in the midst of the wine-dark seaway, and break it to pieces. This I heard from Calypso, the goddess with beautiful tresses, she herself having heard it, she said, from the messenger Hermes. Then when I had arrived down there at the sea and the galley, standing by each in turn, I rebuked them. Nevertheless, no remedy we could discover. The cattle already were slaughtered. Straightway then to the comrades, the gods showed manifest omens. Hides of the cattle were creeping. The flesh on the spits began mooing that both roasted and raw, and the lowing was like that of cattle. Then for the next six days my trustworthy comrades were feasting there on the best of the cattle of Helios which they had stolen. But when Zeus, son of Kronos, to those days added the seventh, finally then did the wind stop raging and blowing a tempest. Going on board straightway, we sailed out onto the broad sea, raising the mast upright, and the white sails hoisting upon it. When we had left that island behind us, and there was no other land in sight anywhere, but the sky and the sea all around us, then was a dark cloud raised by the sign of Kronos and stationed over the hollow ship, and the sea turned murky beneath it. 
Not much time did she keep running on, for the west wind, Zephyr, suddenly came down shrieking and blowing a powerful tempest. Then from the mast a tumultuous storm gust tore off the forestays, both of the ropes, and the mast fell backward, and all of the gear was thrown down into the hold. At the stern of the galley the mast pole crashed on the head of the steersman, and instantly battered together all of the bones of his head and at once he dropped like a tumbler down from the deck, and his valorous spirit abandoned the bone frame. Zeus then thundered and hurled at the galley a bolt of his lightning. Struck by the lightning of Zeus, the entire ship spun in a circle, brimstone filling her up, and the comrades fell from the galley. Then, like cormorants, crows of the sea, they were carried about on waves all around the black galley. The god took away their returning. I kept walking about in the ship till the surge of the waves had loosened the sides from the keel, thus stripped quite bare the waves bore it. Out of the keel was the mast pole shattered, and down upon that then tumbled the backstay, which was a rope strong braided of oxhide. Therefore with it I fastened together the keel and the mast pole. Sitting on them I was carried ahead by the ruinous storm winds. Finally then did the west wind leave off blowing a tempest. Quickly the south wind came, for my heart it carried affliction, lest I should once more measure the way to destructive Charybdis. All that night I was carried along, then just at the sunrise back to the headland of Scylla I came, and to dreadful Charybdis, who that moment was sucking and swallowing down the salt water. But then, raising myself high up on the tall wild fig tree, there I held, like a bat I clung to it. Neither was any place I could set my feet in security, nor could I climb it, since its roots held far from my feet, and the branches were lifted high and were massive and long, so that they overshadowed Charybdis. There I steadily held, till the time that the mast and the keel she vomited upward again, and to me so longing they came back late when a man gets up from assembly to go to his dinner after deciding the numerous quarrels of youthful contenders. That, indeed, was the time those timbers appeared from Charybdis. Then from above, letting go of my hands and my feet, I was borne down into the midst of the water and plunged out beyond the long timbers. Sitting upon them then, with my hands I paddled the narrows. Not again now did the father of men and of gods let Scylla see me, for else I would never have fled from a sheer destruction. Nine days then I was carried from there, on the tenth in the night time, to the Ogygian island the gods brought me, where Calypso dwells of the beautiful hair, dread goddess with speech of a mortal. There she loved me and saw to my wants. Why tell you this story? I have already recounted it yesterday, here in your palace, both to yourself and your virtuous wife, and to me it is hateful, telling again some tale that has once been told to perfection.